Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right, welcome back. It's UAP episode 49 of the Unidentified Alien podcast. Stephen Diener here, Karen Curtis there. Karen, how are you this fine day? I'm very well. Thank you so much. That's Excited good. to do this episode with you. Yeah, this is something actually, this this subject that we're going to get into today, which is um, the Peruvian key, we're calling it. Mm-hmm. This corral is a mysterious type of ancient um, civilization that has just been discovered really within the past 25 years or so, and they're still doing a lot of excavation of the site in Peru. It's like in the Lima area. So this is this is a subject that we have been uh, pondering on for the past couple of months, you and I. Because everyone believes the cradle of civilization is over there in Iraq. Yeah, Mesopotamia. In Mesopotamia yeah. and all that, but uh, 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 not so fast. Not so fast, my friends. And maybe some... Hard proof, and that's really what we're talking about today. You know, we leave a lot open to interpretation, you know, pretty much throughout the series of this podcast, but this could be like unlocking real evidence, possibly. Yes. So yes. we're going to get into that today. DNA evidence, okay? That's right. Okay. So lots of good stuff. The proving key we're getting into. Love but it. I, before all that, Karen. Yes. You always have a factoid for us. What do you got today? I do. I have like two mini ones. Uh, so apparently, this meteoroid. It's a large micro meteoroid, so that's kind of like an oxymoron. Yeah, it is, yeah, like jumbo shrimp. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the James Webb Telescope got beamed. I know. It was a, and it suffered significant uncorrectable damage to one of its panels. You know, it uses to stare into deep space. We just got some images from this I thing. I know. We were celebrating last week Darn about it. you know all these images that were coming out, and now this week we're talking about the thing got freaking walloped. I know. Ping. Oh my goodness! But it won't have much impact, they say, on how the telescope functions, and NASA says the telescope continues to exceed expectations. So they're not Good. really explaining. This thing is what, like a ten billion dollar telescope? Yeah, somewhere in there. And it, <laughs> it's not even been up there for like a month, and it's or been functioning for a month, and it's. <laughs> Already been bean, bada bing. Well, keep on chugging along, James Webb. Yeah, Hopefully bless you your give heart. us those great pictures. Yeah. What a crazy story that is. It's totally it's- crazy. And the, you know how the Bible says that the great pyramids were built by Israelites or Jewish slaves? Yeah, and we've talked a lot about the pyramids on this yeah. podcast. And we're going to talk about this because this episode kind of predates the great pyramids with more pyramids in Peru. But yeah. I asked my phone, did... <laughs> Phone. Did Jewish slaves build the Great Pyramids? According to BBC Science Focus magazine, contrary to popular belief, it wasn't slaves who built the pyramids. We know this because archaeologists have located the remains of a purpose-built village for the thousands of workers who built the famous Giza pyramids nearly 4,500 years ago. I don't understand. They're changing history, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> well, look, you know, that's we talk about things like this all the time where it comes to history and what can we believe? Because that just sounds like conjecture to me just because you find a village out there. It's an interesting... Isn't that uh, crazy? Yeah, that I, I did not know those those uh, things changed, but I guess they decided to change that one. Yeah, well, according to the phone, my phone. Right, exactly. Okay. Karen's phone says so. 
<laughs> so but, now this week on UAP, this episode's topic, the Peruvian key unlocking real evidence of alien life. Tell me more. Oh, well, you know, like we were saying, for the most part, Karen, we've always talked about subjects that are, I mean, really fascinating, obviously, but they're also thought-provoking. We've done a lot of thought-provoking things, you know, if it, whether it's Edgar Casey or whether it's, you know, these existential questions that we always go through or, you know, are we the aliens, you know, time traveling, we've done episodes and all of those things. But it's also been open to interpretation, a lot of the things that we talk about. You know, we always say we're not going to be preachy. It's always been, here's the details, you make up your mind. We're just letting you know what's what's happening. That's, you know, pretty much done by design. That's how we design the show. But what if we could look at different instances or situations and say, you know what? That one is really hard to explain away. There's we, a lot of them. There's a lot. And we've come across a few of those before. But this episode specifically, I think, is what we might be saying to ourselves after we're done and after you hear these stories. You know what really gets me is the elongated skulls that we're going to talk about. That's mm. just like... There's no way to explain your way out of it. Yeah, so get ready for these because we're going to start there with uh, with some things that we thought we knew to be true. Like, you know, the Incans are the oldest known civilization in Peru or that the Nazca lines in Peru are unique to that culture. Right. You know, Mesopotamia is the cradle of civilization, things like that. It appears that those things are actually wrong. Oh, <laughs> look at that. So more, more things that are wrong. wrong. Case in point... What we've been talking about here at the start of the show, the lost city of Corral. First discovered in 1905, the site of Corral Supe, often referred to as simply Corral, was initially thought to be little more than a scattering of insignificant and possibly modern ruins. But while investigating the site in 1994, Peruvian archaeologist Ruth Shadisolis came to the astonishing revelation that Corral was once a vast and highly sophisticated city. Whoa. All right. So obviously, you know, we thank you to ancient aliens yeah. there because we I don't like to use all that very often. Um, but, you know, it's a good explanation. So thank you for their uh, contribution there. Yeah. And it, the site had pyramids on it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And we're, yeah, there's there's a lot going on there. So, I mean, what was this place like? Like, yeah. you, know, like you said, Karen, it, it had some pyramids. Those are some of the things that they built. And I think this is, well, here's a pretty good explanation of what was going on in this city. When you visit Corral, you find a huge archaeological complex. There's a large sunken amphitheater to the south. There's a major pyramid to the north. And then there are more minor pyramids that surround a central area. There are also other buildings, residential buildings, so it's a really huge complex. Yeah, so initially it just looked like a bunch of rocks and they didn't think much of it. Right. Then in like 1994, they're like, wait a minute, there's an amphitheater. When they looked at it from the yep. air, it's a perfectly circular amphitheater, so they liked music. Right, yeah, well, <laughs> uh, sure. And then they they really they figured out that, and plus the the way it's all lined up, it's like, Associated with the Pleiades, right? Yeah, yeah. And there's, there's actually some proof to that later oh, on that we're going to get into. Gosh. Because, you know, look, you heard it there. The pyramid, they, they had their own pyramids. Now, we're not talking like the Great Pyramid of Giza. I mean, these are obviously smaller. But still, these are pyramid-shaped structures. And they had residential areas, like you heard the, the explanation there. So it was a city, an ancient city. So you figure, all right, well, you know, it was probably around the time of the Incas and all those things. And, you know, we're talking about a culture that built infrastructure 
like with pyramids included. But and why? an amphitheater. That's right. So why, why are all those things important? You know, just how old was this place? I mean, it had to be around the same time of things that, you know, we thought with the Incan culture must have been around that same time, right? Yeah. Can't be any older. Hmm. hmm. Yeah. This site went back at least to 2600 B.C. or earlier. So that was putting it back 4,600 or more years, which made it one of the oldest sites as far as civilization in the Americas. Corral could be the mother culture of the whole of South America. The dating of Corral has really put into question the origins of civilization on the planet. A truth comes after the destruction of another truth. And that's what happened here. The view of the historians about the raising of the civilization has been put on the Middle East. We should be proud to have a parallel culture in South America where the origin of the civilization has been developed. So, I mean, I think that says it all right there. Right there. I mean, you're talking about a culture 2,600 years older. So that means, you know, you add 2,022 to that, that's over 4,000 years ago. That's right. So, I mean, it's it's that much older than they previously thought that, you know, any culture was out there. Right. And this could be that. I mean, this, this, look, it's hard to, again... We're going to try to, you know, really unlock some real evidence here, not saying that aliens built this culture, but this all comes together because you're probably wondering, you know, discovery like this it really shakes up the whole belief that Mesopotamia in the Middle East is the cradle of civilization. When you really start to think about it, and like they said there in that clip, a discovery like this has the potential to change history when it, you kind of put it all together. Yeah. So, again, we're not only talking about archaeological history here. You know why there's got to be a reason why we're giving you all the background, right? Again, we're not saying that aliens built this ancient civilization. Yes, we are. Maybe. And and they built the Great Pyramids, too. Yeah, probably. Or at least, you know, with their anti-gravity technology that uh, they gave to the Egyptians and the slaves to build the pyramids. And they said, here, use this sound technology, acoustic levitation, like we spoke about in our previous episodes there just uh, last week. Absolutely. In our part one and two there. Yeah, I mean, we're not trying to be fringe, but if you just add one and one, it equals two on this. I'm sorry. We've done a lot of episodes, and that's, you know, involved a lot of research, and things are starting to kind of come together. They are, and you know, when I heard about Corral, I'm like, this is huge. This is like really big. And you and I discussed it and you said, mm-hmm. I know about that place. And that's right. It's like, it was shocking. And that's the thing about it, you know, is that how much were aliens involved there? I don't know, but we're going to get into that here in just a second. But what's fascinating to start off is you're talking about a culture that is a couple of thousand years older than they originally thought any culture was. And that's how we know what episodes to do and what topics to do because we bounce off each other yeah. and I go wow I this was amazing and you're like I know I agree oh my gosh and now you know, here we are yeah. a couple months later <laughs> because what if I told you in that the, this this city these ancient people of Corral they had their own geoglyphs oh no how about that okay really okay. not the Nazca lines no not the Nazca lines because we've knew. talked about geoglyphs and petroglyphs sure and that's you know not the these supposedly predated the Nazca lines by 
thousands of years. Oh so you gosh. knew there was a reason, not only the historical significance of this, of why we're bringing it up in a culture that could be the cradle of civilization itself there in South America, rather than Mesopotamia, like we always thought, but the things that they were building, like a pyramid of their own, or like a geoglyph of their own that predates the Nazca lines by a couple of thousand years. Which is meant to be seen from the air. Aha. So why did they decide to make what seems like, get ready for this. Oh my God. A giant face with its mouth open. Geoglyph face is constructed of stones laid out to create the figure itself. As it's mouth open, it's looking towards one direction and also has what looks like it's kind of wavy hair. Although this could actually be blood spurting out of its head. Corral geoglyph is the oldest known in Peru or Bolivia. It's at least 2,000 years older than Nazca, maybe more. And so it does suggest this was the forerunner to all the Nazca geoglyphs, and this may have even influenced the Nazca civilization. So let's let's go ahead real quick, Aaron, and revisit uh, the idea of geoglyphs, okay? okay. Why make them? Yeah. Unless you were doing it with the intention to show someone who could see them from the sky. Right. Like you were saying before, right? Why would you, for for example, right, just use this as, as an analogy. Why would you make a giant SOS in the sand if you were deserted on an island? Right. Would you be doing that just to show it off to yourself? No. You're doing it because you'd be trying to send a message to someone flying overhead, right? Yeah. So this is kind of the same thing in my mind. Yeah. I mean, you're making something in the sand that can only be seen and appreciated from a position above the ground. And furthermore, these types of huge uh, geoglyphs have been found around the world. So this isn't something that's just unique to South America. They've been found in Asia, Europe, the Middle East, and even Africa, and that are all thousands of years old. So now you're talking about geoglyphs. In South America, which we always knew with the Nazca lines, but also in different continents around the world from cultures that we think had no way of communicating. And they're making these similar structures in the sand that can only be seen from the sky. So that begs the question, why were these people in different parts of the world doing this and who are they trying to make contact with? And then take into consideration that this geoglyph in Corral that we're talking about might predate all of them. Yeah. <laughs> What's Hello? happening? And no one's talking about it. Except us. I know. That's what we do. It's just mind-boggling. It is. I mean, b before we move on, I want to kind of look at what else we've learned from this once-forgotten culture. You know, what, what else is there? Aside from the fact that they've changed archaeological history as we know it. I mean, there's, there's that. It's also evident that they had some type of contact with what are always referred to as sky gods, right, in the ancient times. According to the legends. Oh, gosh. Okay, you know, there's always something good that follows according to the legends. <laughs> they received their knowledge from a solar being See? named Nylamp. And not only that, but it has been found that the positioning of their pyramids, and you mentioned this a little while ago, Karen, it matches the position of the Pleiades star clusters in the night sky. So, and that's you, where aliens are supposed to co have come from, right? That's the greys? That's what they say. Yeah. We've talked about that in previous episodes. Right. You know, there's been different theories about the greys and the Palladian race of aliens. Mm -hmm. That's kind of where they come from. So it's kind of interesting when you kind of, you start to connect the dots, as we always say, 
when you hear about all these different things we spoke about in previous episodes with the greys and the Palladians and, you know, different alien species. We did that episode a while back. And it's a distinct constellation. Right. Right. Yeah. It's like this. And it's repeated around the world. Right. There's other areas that repeat this Pleiades constellation. That's right. Yeah. It's always there's different places in the world that pay homage to this constellation or star cluster. I guess you can say, you know, whatever, however you want to refer to it as. So you kind of start to wonder, well, hmm. If we're talking about that's where, you know, the gray aliens possibly come from. I know we always talk about uh, Zeta Reticuli as well, but there's, you know, the Palladian uh, race of aliens that we've spoken about. And if there is some type of other life form that's said to be coming from there, and we're talking about ancient structures that were built to coincide, which again, how did they know to line these things up perfectly with what was in the night sky? 4,000 years ago. 4,000 years ago. Why was that special to them 4,000 years ago? So, I'm not saying, but I'm just saying. <laughs> okay? Exactly. Let that sink in for a minute. Okay. All right? Because now we're going to move on to our next story, and it involves... Indiana Jones. <laughs> well, you will think of it, because they kind of did this... Well, I'm not saying we're copying Indiana Jones, but they they touched on the Crystal Skull, right? Indiana Jones 4, which was... I'm sorry if you liked it. I didn't like it. Okay. Not a very good movie. <laughs> but the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. They talked about these elongated skulls, and they had the crystal skulls. And the crystal skulls are a real legend. There's like 12 of them around the world or something like that. And there's like no tool markings on them. You don't know how they were made. Just That's so right. Weird. So Perfectly weird. smooth. So as we move on to this subject involving skulls, not crystal skulls, okay. but just regular old skulls. The skulls of Peru. Yeah, pretty much. Consider this as we kind of dive into this subject. What does any good investigator look for when trying to solve a crime? Now, clues. Clues. And you should know this, Karen. If you don't know, Karen has another podcast called Full Rigor, which is hugely popular as well. And it goes into true crime. Florida true crime. That's right. Which, there's always a Florida connection. Because we do the show here from South Florida, in case you have ever wondered where we come from. We do the show here from South we Florida. We come from the Pleiades. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Maybe we do. So, <laughs> Karen knows a lot about true crime and forensic evidence because that's what. A good investigator, CSI team, would look for, you know, DNA. DNA is a big one. Right? Yes. And that yes. way you have tangible evidence right. of who committed a crime or an identifying a body, right? Right. It's a big deal. Well, that's what we're looking at here when it comes to what could be real tangible evidence of an ancient alien presence here on Earth. And I want to stress the word tangible, bold, italics, highlighted, tangible. War font. Yes, Exactly. <laughs> in red. In red. 24 size font on Microsoft Word. Tangible. <laughs> 24 points. <laughs> because, again, we like to keep things open to interpretation. And we do that on purpose. We don't want to throw it in your face and say, here, believe this. No, no, no. We always want to leave it up to you. But I just found this so fascinating. If we could find evidence, true evidence that says, my gosh, this is really hard to explain away, then I want to look at that. And I think that's... What we might have here. so Because what if we could say that alien skulls have been discovered? Not only that, but discovered by an archaeologist named Julio C. Teo a hundred years ago. Oh, boy. Supposedly made this discovery in, you guessed it, you're about to hear here, in Peru, in the area-ish of Corral. Go ahead and, and listen to this. Julio Citeo was the father of Peruvian archaeology. And in the 1920s, he discovered mummy bundles 
and in each mummy bundle was a person with an elongated skull. They were buried in family mausoleums, in some cases as deep as 30 feet into the bedrock. Mummy bundles. Hey, now. <laughs> I love uh, that. Boy, not something that I would uh, choose a career in and investigating money, mummy bundles, but God bless him because he made an incredible discovery. And did you catch? Th- you heard that, right? In Peru. Yep. So, again, this kind of theme here, the Peruvian key of possibly unlocking some real evidence. And the baby has the elongated skull is what they're saying. Right. So that said, I'm glad you, you said that, Karen, because elongated skulls are nothing new or groundbreaking at this point. No. So I don't want to act like we're just, you know, we're the crack team that's discovered elongated skulls. And I Obviously, think scientists explained it a way that they just bound the baby's head so that the binding would make it elongated. That's pretty much it. Right. Skulls are soft when you're a baby. Exactly. It's more it's more pliable, which is why they tell you not to, you know to keep a baby's head safe. And all yeah, and and you know, make sure they don't lie in the same position every night cuz then they'll get like a flat head. Exactly. I've had friends, maybe you've had your own baby who's had this, you know, wear those helmets and everything oh, yeah. as they're, you know, developing as, as an infant. So, it's a real thing and we know now that that's what some of these ancient cultures did. They they would bind the head. So, why what makes these different, right? We know that numerous cultures around the world world practice this ritual of binding the heads of babies to give them that elongated look. So that's nothing new. That's not breaking news. We've spoken about the ancient Egyptians doing this, you know, specifically going back to Akhenaten. Which they're trying to explain away why he looks like an alien. Well, there's With that the too. With almond eyes and the big head. Uh-huh. Yeah. But we've always talked about who, why are they trying to look like that, right? Right. Where did they get that look from? So it's said that these cultures would reserve the process as a sign of prestige, actually. Uh. Normally set aside for royalty. But again, we ask, why? What would make all these people, in get, again, just like with the geoglyphs, different parts of the world want to go through this process? They all have these different things in South America, in, in ancient Egypt, in, I should say in ancient South America, or you know, in, in uh, uh, African countries. They yeah. all go through this process why could it be because that they were trying to look like someone who they held in high esteem Mm -hmm. since it was reserved as a sign of prestige right someone like the gods perhaps or who they would refer to as the gods and maybe that was the case here in peru with these skulls who came to earth and helped them out a lot you know with how to build their where they lived i mean think about okay use this as as an example Think about someone who comes to help you. Think about an IT guy at your job. Yeah. Okay? Your computer's not working. You're like, oh my gosh, I need he, to send this email and Brian it's Brian is working. a god. Yes, our, our IT guy is Brian. So we, and think about it for you and I, Karen, we hold him, our IT guy here at our yeah. radio station, in high esteem because he's always able to come in and fix the issue. Yes. Right? We're like, oh my gosh, Brian, you're amazing. And you probably feel that way about your own IT guy at work or anybody in your in your life. You've got mystical powers. It feels like that way sometimes. So think about it. If ancient people were trying to solve a problem and you have these people with higher knowledge, seemingly, and they're helping you solve this problem or giving you a technology you've never seen before in your life. Something you don't understand. You hold people like that even in your own daily life. If you you hold people like that in a higher esteem. You know, you oh, let me call my friend Bill because I know he's gonna know he always knows. I trust him. It could be the same type of thing. They held these sky gods in high esteem, and maybe they just they wanted to look like them and it was a sign of honor. Yeah. That's our own conjecture. Right.
our own theory. We are, we always want to look like Brian, too. <laughs> yeah, he is amazing. Thank you, Brian, our IT guy. But let's go ahead and ask this question, Karen. Okay. What if these skulls, in particular, weren't even human? Oh, boy. Because we're talking about human skulls that were binded to look like somebody or something with these elongated skulls and, and big eyes. But what if these skulls that were found 100 years ago and other times weren't human at all? It's worth pointing out a key difference. These skulls were human skulls, okay? I want to just lay the, the groundwork here on this. Us lowly humans have what's called a sagittal suture, okay? And if you look at a picture of a skull, you can go on Google Images, you'll see this, this you know, line, kind of a line. It's a zigzag line. Yeah, it's a zigzag though. line, that's right, running down the middle of a skull. To which, the back of your head. That's right. It's it's connective tissue joints. It's found in all human skulls. It essentially keeps everything not together. Not all, though. not all. Well, that's why these may not be human at all. Because that connective tissue, the sagittal suture, was not found in some of these skulls that were discovered in Peru. About 5% of the elongated skulls that we find in Paracas are so complex in shape and size that it's hard to believe that they're the result of any form of cranial deformation or head binding. Not only are they elongated vertically, but also the eye sockets are much larger than normal. There are two holes in the back of the skull called foramen through which blood and nerve flow occurred and also their jaws were very robust. Hmm. Strange, right? Yes. I mean... And there's no sagittal suture. No sagittal suture. The eye sockets, and I'm sure they're you've huge. all seen, they're huge. I'm sure you've all seen, you know, skulls like that before. These elongated skulls. I'll try. I'm not making any promises. I'll try to get it up on our UAP blog and 850wftl.com. Go to the podcast section. You'll see UAP there. Of course, the episode is always there as well, and all previous episodes and blog posts, so you can see some of these pictures and representations of things that we've been talking about today, like these elongated skulls with the huge eye sockets that are not fake. Okay, these are on display. They're in museums. It's not like these were, you know, uh, planted. They're not a hoax. 3D printed. No, right. Nothing like that. And the, the, so these things, and this is why I thought, again, the word tangible with this, because these are real skulls that were discovered. And these are real questions. How are there no sagittal sutures and 5% of these? You can explain away one or two and say that it was a birth defect. Okay, you can right. use that excuse. But in 5%... Of the skulls discovered, that's a pretty decent number. It is. And the other thing that boggles my mind is how big they are. Yes. Right. And actually, well, there's there's more to that right here. And among the largest of them, we find skulls 60% heavier than normal human oh, oh. skulls and a brain capacity that is 2.5 times larger than the normal human brain. Mm. Oh, the human head weighs eight pounds. <laughs> Jerry Maguire, I thought about that too. <laughs> no, these, it, these things are huge. My dad says his head weighs 17 pounds. I don't know what that means, but yeah, these are <laughs> like really, really heavy. That's right. And, and of course, you know, you may be thinking, and if you are thinking this, it's okay because it's good to question things. That's what we do all the time here. We question yeah. everything. Yes. But you might be thinking this could just be some kind of mutation. Yes, of maybe, course. Right? Well, that's where the DNA portion of this comes into play. Ah, yes. Testing was done in 2014. So about, you know, as we sit here now, eight years ago, on what is called the Paracas skull. You heard them say the, the name Paracas there. It's called Paracas skull number 44. 
Here's how that went. Some initial DNA testing has been done, and the results, according to the geneticist, are quite startling. There were certain segments of the DNA that didn't match anything known to be human. What it suggests to me is that Paracas could very well have been an ancient bloodline related to Homo sapiens, but not specifically Homo sapiens itself. Wow. And you know, you're like, where do they get the DNA out of these skulls? It's usually in the teeth. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. true. And you know again and they had about a ro- that. robust jaw. They did have robust jaws. And it's an interesting theory there that they point out which is, you know, maybe this is other another type of human race that had yet to be discovered. Maybe? I don't know. He or meant- it's not. <laughs> yeah, I mean Cuz either way it's not homo sapien. That's what they discovered through DNA testing. There's nothing like it on the yeah. Can't you believe in the future 4000 years from now when they're looking at our skulls they'll be like Look, they have these weird dental implants. Yeah. <laughs> that would figure, I know. I know. We're going to have people very confused in yes, the future. Yes, totally confused. <laughs> Another thing worth pointing out, though, Karen, because I know we've been focusing on uh, Peru in this episode, but make no mistake about it, unexplainable skulls like these that we've been discussing have been found around the world, actually. And that's yeah. the fascinating thing about this since we've been focusing on Peru. But whether it was the geoglyphs, whether it's these skulls, you know, it's also found in other countries and continents around the world. But we're talking about civilizations that might be the oldest ever recorded that we're doing this first. Something oh, wait, to think I about. think Gobekli Tepe, they're saying is 14,000 years old. It's possible. Yeah. Who knows at this point? I know. But this is something that was and maybe still is happening across the globe to this day. Have we finally come across an example that shows real evidence that they have and maybe still do walk among us. When you look at this kind of archeological evidence, you're seeing concrete, tangible, Ah. DNA testable proof that extraterrestrials walked on Earth right among us. Uh Aha. And that's the the key. That's what we're doing here today. Unless you're the OJ jury, you cannot deny (laughs) DNA. Got a throwback there. I like oh it. boy. And that's that's what we were doing here today and is exploring that thought and the possibility that this could be these things we spoke about today could be real. And you're probably tired of hearing the word tangible evidence of alien existence, alien life existence on planet Earth in ancient times, and maybe they're still here today. Yeah, and you know, I'm sure if this is true and the alien race is looking down on us going, these humans are idiots. We've left all of this evidence. <laughs> Hello, DNA. All of this evidence. <laughs> Took you a while to learn what DNA uh, was, but there it is. There it's it not is. yours. Hello. It's not homo sapien DNA, so oh, now these... what? Yeah. It's pretty wild, isn't it? It is. You know what it else? Is. It's And next week is going to be wild, too, because I know this one was a little bit shorter, but that's okay because I wanted to really kind of focus on these things. And I hope you found it as fascinating as we did to talk about an ancient culture that might be the new cradle of civilization and change history as we know it. And and Corral in in Peru and then these skulls. Score one for the Americas. Yeah, that's right. And just asking these questions, you know, why were they doing this? Who were they trying to look like with elongating the skulls? Yeah. And then maybe they weren't even human at all. Oh, (laughs) Well, I'll bet you Queen Elizabeth has an elongated skull under that hat she wears. Oh, no. <laughs> you, yeah, well, if, you know. <laughs> it's, the, it's, all we, leaders and... We never see her without the hat. No. <laughs> or a crown. That's right. See? 
But another question worth asking next week, Karen? Yes. Is there a bug problem in California? Oh, God, yes. Oh, boy. Oh, jeez. Is there something going on with, and we haven't talked about these before because, quite frankly, they scare me. But really? we're going to st- yes, they're very frightening. Praying mantises. The 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 mantis creatures huh. uh that have been talked about before as far as a different alien species. There's supposedly very they're not good, malevolent creatures. They just have bad intentions and they freak me out. But there's a lot of stories involving them, including specific ones involving abductions in the Catalina Island area of California. Whoa. And there's a lot going on over there. We've spoken about yes. California before in that area. Another hot spot. Yes, it is a hot spot. And apparently it's a hot spot for possibly the mantis creatures. They look like people, praying mantises. According to accounts. So we are going to get into abduction accounts from people who say that they've seen them and been taken by them. Next time on episode 50. Oh my gosh. 50. We've done 50 of these. Wow. So that'll be next week. Hopefully next week. We always try to do this every week on UAP, the Unidentified Alien Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this one and all the other ones for making this. I I don't think we say it enough, so I want to say it again. For making this a top podcast in the country. Thank you. At this point. In the universe. Yes. That's right. Galaxies and universes far away. So thank you very much. Hopefully you continue to enjoy and download the podcast. Subscribe to wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music. We're on there. Not sure if we're on Google. We had somebody ask us that question last week. But I'm sure we are. if you can't find us there, then go ahead and find us everywhere else. As well as 850WFTL.com. Yes. But until next time, for on episode 50, when we talk to you about all those crazy happenings in California, there's Karen Curtis there, Stephen Diener here. Talk to you again next time on UAP. Thanks for listening.